everyone. Welcome to Come Follow Me with Bree, episode two. So I had a little bit of trouble making this episode this week because I am here in Louisiana um, doing some work for some clients. And if you haven't heard, there was Hurricane Laura. And even though I'm in more northern Louisiana, it hit all the way into here. And so when I got here and I'm staying with my clients in their home, um, there was no power. There were trees everywhere. It was a little crazy. And so we didn't have power for a day. And then ever since then, I haven't really had um, very reliable Wi-Fi because for whatever reason, it affected their Wi-Fi. Um, but I'm doing it and I'm really excited. And one of the reasons that this is a little different is because normally I would have access to Wi-Fi and thus the internet and have a little bit more research capabilities to get quotes from other really smart people. But this week, it was kind of fun to just rely on my own personal revelation and the the thoughts that came from Heavenly Father into my own head. And it was just really cool to kind of create that all by myself. So let's dive right in. So we are discussing a cool dude this week, Samuel the Lamanite. And this is Helaman chapters 13 through 17, I believe. Um, so what happens at the very beginning is they're describing that the Lamanites are righteous and the Nephites are wicked. And Samuel is a Lamanite and he comes over to the Nephites in Zarahemla and he it says he preaches for many days. And they're mad at him and so they cast him out of the city after many days. And so he goes to go back home, but the Lord commands him to go back. And so he goes back and they don't want to let him in the city. And so at that point, he didn't give up. I think a lot of us could have thought, well, I tried, that didn't work. But Samuel didn't give up and he thought outside the box. So he got up on a wall and he starts to preach to them which I think takes some serious guts. And it says in there, it says, he said, whatsoever things the Lord put into his heart. So from that just beginning part of the story, I kind of took away two things. Samuel, obviously, was very faithful, very brave, unwearying and full of charity, which is the pure love of Christ. He had love for his Nephite brethren enough to come to Zarahemla and risk his life. So I think a common pattern that we see in the Book of Mormon is when we hear the stories of these prophets, sometimes following the Lord's commands can look like failure at first. Samuel was thrown out of the city, and he could have given up then. And then, after the Lord commands him again, they wouldn't let him back in after the Lord commanded him. And he could have given up then. And he could have been angry with the Lord for not providing a clear way. But instead, he thought outside of the box. Because he knew that the Lord, as Nephi said, gives no command without providing a way for him to accomplishment, accomplish it. So he was super brave and he got up on that wall and he delivered an amazing message. And the Lord gave him the words to speak by putting them into his heart. He sent the Holy Ghost 
to testify to those whose hearts were open. And as we get to the end of the story, you'll see that he provides physical protection from those who tried to hurt him. So Samuel was commanded to go back to the city. And it made me think, I mean, that's a pretty rough commandment to go back to a city that just cast you out. So it made me think, what commandments are hard for me? And do I feel like kind of the ways are are blocked for me to be successful at following through with that commandment? And also, I know that there are commandments where I felt like, I've tried everything. I don't really know how to get over this flaw of mine. Just to give you some examples to kind of get your mind working so you can think of what those kinds of things might be for you. Maybe it's forgiving someone who's hurt you. Maybe paying a 10% tithe is hard for you. Maybe you feel stuck in a certain way of thinking that you know is sinful, but you can't quite seem to not think that way. Maybe you have a really hard trial in your life that makes enduring to the end seem unbearable. When you think of that trial, I want you to think of Samuel. He kept getting a result that could be interpreted as failure. But he kept trying. He kept going. And what I would hope, I don't know this for sure, obviously, because I'm not in his head and he's not here so I can ask him. But I'd like to think that a lot of these prophets, including Samuel, knew that he wasn't failing. And I want you to think about that in the context of your own life. So when you're like, say you're trying to be the kind of parent that you imagine is a successful parent, but your children have agency. And so they might not be doing the things that you want them to do. So what if instead of thinking that you're failing because their agency is allowing them to choose in a way that you wouldn't have them choose, maybe, maybe you can think of that in a different light and think, The Lord loves my effort and he knows that I'm trying to follow through with that. And maybe you're not failing because ultimately agency was part of the plan, right? Your kids were supposed to have agency. And so maybe your being a good parent doesn't have anything to do with the outcome. It just has to do with if you're following the Lord's command. So think about that in whatever context you want to think of it. Maybe you continuing to try and do the thing that the Lord has commanded you to do, regardless of the outcome, isn't actually a failure. It's a success. And say to yourself that the Lord loves your effort. The second thing that I just loved from that first part where it talks about he's getting up in the wall and he says, whatsoever things should come into his heart. It made me think about this song that I love. It came out in the Enzyme a few years ago. And it's called, May I Serve Thee. I'm just going to read you the first verse. I love this song. It's one of my favorite songs to sing. And I think it should be put permanently in like the children's songbook or something. The words go, Lord, take these hands. Let me use these hands to serve thee willingly. Lord, take these ears. Let me hear thy words and humbly follow thee. Lord, raise my arms. Let them tenderly enfold someone in pain. Then let me know when my unsure hands can set them free again. Though I know I am weak, I know thy mighty power can do anything. Simple gifts I now bring, and these I offer to set before my king. May I serve thee. I think that 
When I hear that it says that he said, whatsoever things came into his heart, it makes me think of those lyrics because I think it takes a great amount of humility to give your heart over to the Lord and be willing to set any pride aside or any any logic that you think is is super smart and say what the Lord, say and do, not just say, the things that the Lord puts into your heart. Think about how many circumstances in our lives could that be useful. And it's interesting to me that it says heart and not mind. When I give a talk at church or even I'm doing this podcast, it's easy to kind of get lost in the logic of it all. Or let's say when I'm parenting and talking to one of my children, it's easy to get lost in those parenting strategies, which the parenting strategies are good. But if I'm kind of lost in my logic and pride and feeling that I know what's best, I might not be hearing what Heavenly Father wants me to say. Do we forget that the most important effective tool that we have at our disposal is the spirit and our heart and the ability that if we allow it, the Lord can put into our heart what we should say and do? It's kind of just like what we talked about last week. The Lord wants us to come to him and ask him ask Him to fill in the inadequacy of our mortal logic and reason. We can ask him to put in our hearts what we should say and do. And I don't think this is the same thing as being led by our emotions, which we know that being led completely by our emotions, it's not always the most um, reliable guide that can end with good outcomes. Sometimes it's good, but sometimes maybe those emotions aren't actually helpful in guiding our actions. But the Lord is all-knowing, and he knows the hearts and the minds of those that we're interacting with. So how silly of us to not include him in our interactions with our families or our spouse or our coworkers or fellow members of our ward. There are so many different people whose lives we are affecting and we can be affecting them for good or for bad. And we don't know how they're feeling or what they're thinking, but he does. He knows their past experiences. He knows their potential. And as I'm doing this podcast, I'm talking to many different types of people and potentially people who have a different perspective on the world than I have. In order for me to bring the spirit into what I'm saying, I need him to put into my heart the things to say because he's so much more incredibly wise than I am. He knows the best way that I can reach the most hearts. He knows When I am in the depths of parenting and trying to figure things out, he knows what my child needs to hear. He knows what the friend that I've, that I may have offended needs to hear. And if I do my best to have the spirit with me and check my pride at the door, I know that he'll put into my heart what I should say. Now, does that mean that if I'm willing to do that, that I'm always going to say and do everything that's right? No. Absolutely not, because I am a mortal being living a mortal experience, and I'm not always going to do it right, and I'm not always going to be perfectly in tune with the Spirit. But 
I sure can try to let him into my heart and ask him to lead me in word and action, and I know that he will. And you know what the cool part, and I always think this in so many aspects of the gospel, is that when you're doing one thing right, the next thing follows. When we invite him into our hearts, our hearts get to be continually changed and more in tune and in line with his will. And that change in our hearts is what brings faith and testimony. And like we learned last week, things that change our heart are what strengthen our faith and create our testimony. And then signs follow the faithful. Signs don't change our hearts and then create faith. Signs confirm our faith. So let him into your heart and your interactions with others, and you will see clear signs that he is leading you. And you will see, as Elder Lund calls it, his divine signatures all around you. So let's continue on with the story of Samuel. So Samuel starts telling them the destruction that awaits them if they don't repent. In chapter 13, verse 6, it says, Nothing can save this people, save it be repentance and faith on the word of Jesus Christ. On the Lord Jesus Christ, not word. <laughs> I'm, I'm reading out of um, handwritten this week because I wasn't really using my computer. And so sometimes my handwriting's a little messy. Okay, I'm going to read that again since I got a little off track. Nothing can save this people, save it be repentance and faith on the Lord Jesus Christ. So sometimes whenever we hear words like nothing, nothing can save this people except save it be, it sounds really limit, limiting, but ultimately it's so simple and freeing. It makes me think, and I think it actually says it in here. I think they says look and live, but it makes me think about the story of Moses where they're being attacked by snakes and there's snakes everywhere and everybody's getting bit. And then Moses is told by the Lord to hold up a serpent on a big, tall staff. And all the people have to do is look and they will all be healed. But many people won't do it. They won't just look up at the serpent and live. And I think that we... We sometimes make the commandments more complicated and hard than they actually are. And if we just take that first step, like I was talking about before, the next steps just follow. And it can be so, so simple. So I want to read to you back in Alma chapter 37, verse 44 through 47. For behold, it is as easy to give heed to the word of Christ, which which will point you to a straight course of eternal bliss as it was for our father to give fathers to give heed to this compass, which would point them unto a straight course to the promised land. And now I say, is there not a type in this thing? For just as surely as this director did bring our fathers by following its course to the promised land, shall the words of Christ, if we follow their course, carry us beyond this veil of sorrow to a far better land of promise. Oh, my son, do not let do not let us be slothful because of the easiness of the way. For so it was with our fathers. For so it was prepared for them that if they would look, they might live. Even so it is with us. The way is prepared, and if we will look, we may live forever. And now, my son, see that ye take care of these sacred things. Yea, see that ye look to God and live. 
what does it mean to really look and live? And to me, what it means is have that, at least when you're starting, have that hope that the thing you're trying to build your testimony on is true. Have that hope and obey that commandment. And things continue to follow after that. We know the commandment that Jesus gave gave to us that says, If ye love me, keep my commandments. I came up with something called that I'm calling the faith cycle. So when we focus on the first commandment of keeping his commandments, the rest of the things just follow. So it starts with hope that those things are true. Hope that whatever commandment you're trying to, to live is a is based on a true principle that Heavenly Father has commanded you to do. So keep that commandment. And what follows keeping the commandments? Faith. When you follow that commandment, Heavenly Father will grant you faith in that part. And then what accompanies faith? A changed heart. And what does a truly changed heart give you? It gives you a testimony of the Savior, the rock whereon if you build, ye cannot fall. And when you show faith by keeping the commandments, which gives you a changed heart, you are able to see the Lord's hand all around you, giving you a knowledge of his reality. You see how it just all plays on each other. And so I think if we just take that first step of looking and obeying the commandments and looking to the Lord, it all just starts to fall into place when we when we give our heart to him and we are willing to keep his commandments. After Samuel tells them all about their wickedness, we see that same pattern that we saw with Nephi last week. First he preaches repentance and then he testifies of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to say it again. Like I said last week, you can never go wrong bearing your testimony of Jesus Christ. I do not think it is possible for the Spirit not to be with you when you are bearing a pure, humble testimony of Jesus Christ. The person you're talking to, just like these people, some of these people that Samuel is talking to, they might not be ready and they might not receive it the way you would hope, but the Spirit will be there. And I think that not every situation calls for this big, bold testimony, but when it is the right time for it, the Spirit will prompt you to do that. And if there is a prepared heart listening, the Spirit will be there and will testify to them and touch their heart. And the cool thing about the Spirit being there and being able to testify of truth, of the truth of what you're saying, is that the Holy Ghost is what converts and changes hearts. So Samuel then prophesies all kinds of super cool things about what will happen at the death and the birth of the Savior. I love thinking about this. He says at the at his birth, there will be lights in heaven, and there will be one day, and then a night that looks like a day, and then another day, as if it were all one day. And that they'll be able to tell because they'll be able to see the sun set, but it will still be just as bright at night as it was during the day. And then they will also see the sun rise the next day. So they'll know that it was two days and a night. And then for his death, 
there will be three days of darkness and natural disasters. So I think it's so amazing how this parallels the sun and and light. And it's talking about, so we know that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And it made me think about how, you know, the light, the actual um, literal light of our world that we get to see every day is the sun. And in these signs of his birth, it's using the sun as a sign. And it made me think about how the sun is the source of our light and life. Without the sun on the earth, everything would die. And then the same thing with the darkness. If there was just darkness, everything would die. And so everything depends on that light being there. And that's what Jesus Christ is. He is our light and our life. We literally spiritually depend on on him being who he is. Dallin H. Oaks said that Jesus Christ is the light of the world because he is the source of light which proceedeth forth from the presence of God to fill the immensity of space. So he is literally a conduit for the light from God. And then when you take it a step further, we've been told to let our light shine. So can we, so the Savior is a conduit for the light, light of God, light from God. Can we then also literally be a conduit for the light from God? So to continue on with the story, some believed Samuel, and then they went to go find Nephi and confess their sins and repent so they can be baptized. But many didn't believe, and they were angry, and so they, they attack him, and they're, they're throwing stones and arrows at him. But the Lord physically protected him. And so once they saw that they couldn't hit Samuel and he just stood there and wasn't hit at all, they were also converted. And so they went off to Nephi too to confess their sins and repent and be baptized. And then there were still more that were still not convinced and they were angry. And so they went to around to go take him off the wall. And Samuel jumped off the wall and he ran away and he was never heard from among the Nephites again. And then it talks about how the people continue to be wicked. I am just amazed by the story of Samuel the Lamanite. I think it's, I always think it's so cool to really um, put the real person in my mind. This was a real man that risked his life to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. The challenge I want to give to you this week is to ask him to put into your heart the things that you should say and do like Samuel did, especially during those pivotal conversations that you're having in your life. He will tell you what to say, and he will tell you what to do if you let down your walls, let go of your pride, and allow him to direct the way you go. Look on him and live. Follow the commandments. And you will see step by step that that faith and your testimony will continue to grow. Try that faith cycle. And as you are doing the faith cycle, the Savior is a conduit of light from the Father. And he lights the world. And as you obey the commandments and do the things we talked about, that light will carry through to you and allow you to say and do the things that he would have you do.
I love my Savior. I love the Book of Mormon. I know that it was sent here to teach us important things during this time. And there has never been a time in my life where I have felt like what I say and do is more important. We need to be representatives of Jesus Christ and be a light in the world. I hope you all have a great week, and I hope that you follow through with any command that you feel the Lord is giving you. I'll talk to you next week.